0: You are listening to the Sermon Podcast from Bethel Covenant Church. We're an evangelical covenant congregation outside Ellsworth, Wisconsin. You can learn more about us at BethelCov.org. Thanks for listening. It never feels like enough. Even though I believe um, that God made the world, that He made me, that He's holding on to me, there's always this part of me that uh, screams out or whispers in my ear, it says, yeah, thank God for those gifts, but, you know, if you made a little bit more money, you, you would feel so much better. Uh, if you, uh, Todd, if you treat yourself to, to that, that lunch out, it will it'll eliminate your stress. Uh, if you could just buy that nicer car, um, you wouldn't have to worry about it breaking down um, but you still have to change the oil on nicer cars. (laughs) If you avoid that person that's hard to deal with, you know, this is in my head, maybe you'll have more time to relax. You'll feel better. If you didn't give that money to that person or buy that thing for somebody, you could save more time. What if you're missing out by not taking that vacation? Or or even, I think in my head it sounds like this, maybe it's like this for you, I don't know. Uh, It's always, if I could just Get that like one more good thing, right? I would have enough. Uh, I went to this wedding, you guys know about it, in New Hampshire, and it was like a like a fancy East Coast wedding. Everybody was like all dressed up, nice, and, and during before the food came out, they had these hors d'oeuvres, and the, the like servers would come, and every time they came, I kid you not, they came with something different on that hors d'oeuvre plate. Like, there were like fifteen <laughs> different things. And I kept thinking every time I saw a person, even though they came to my table every time, but every time I had the corner of my eye I saw somebody with a tray of something, I was like, "Hey, hey, don't forget about me. If I could just have one more." Um, and I think that that one more desire it, it drives us. And actually, I was listening to something today that um, talked about this a little bit, but um, science is actually showing increasingly that we are driven that way. Um, And and science has a word for it. It's the hedonic treadmill. Uh, And psychologists have studied this in people uh, over long periods of time. And what most of us think, right? If I could make a little bit more money or get that job or whatever, I'd be much happier. Um, uh, Psychologists have found that you know when you get that thing, if you buy that house or you win the lottery or whatever, like you do get happier. Uh, You feel happier. Your life feels like it's going a little bit better. But it only takes like a couple of weeks for you to adjust uh, to whatever that good thing is. You know, you get that $10,000 rate, I mean, maybe who knows, right? And you're happier for seriously maybe a month. And then the next thing you know, there's something else that you want, and you don't really feel any different. They've, they've tested this. Uh, another example, and this is what I heard about, the thing I was listening to this morning, uh, they did a, a study where they asked people that made about $30,000 a year. It's a tough, tough living to make it on. And they said, how much money would you have to make to feel like you had enough? And most of those people, they averaged around $50,000. And then in the next question, they asked people that made $100,000 a year. And they asked them, how much would you need to make to feel like you had enough? And they thought they needed to make (laughs) $250,000. Isn't it interesting that the more you have, the more you think you need to really be happy. And I think we spend our lives uh, uh, scraping and scrapping and worrying and thinking and dreaming about that next thing that's finally gonna be enough. We always feel like we're we're missing out. We seem to want just one more good thing. Well, today um, we're looking at uh, three stories, three different people Uh, who wanted just one more good thing and where it it led them and how that works. And these aren't uh, positive examples to follow in Scripture. Uh, They're, I think, really real examples of what it means to be a human being and uh, where sometimes this thinking leads us. And so so I have three three short stories. The first one is is in Genesis uh, chapter 3. Uh, And I'm sure you know the story, and you might notice that we come back to Genesis a lot around here. And that's because uh, it lays the foundation for so many things about Scripture and about the Gospel and about life. Uh, So I apologize, because you all probably know the story. But if you know the story of Genesis, it starts with God creating the world, right? And just like we talked about, it's just packed full of abundance. If you read uh, the beginning of Genesis, God talks about how... um, it talks about how everything is placed in just the right way. And everything is, is perfectly set up. and The, the creation story ends, and um, and God says, hey, to the humans, I give you the fruit of the trees to eat. And he says, and to the animals, the livestock, I give you the plants of the ground, right? And the reason this is in here is, is to show us in Genesis that God had made the world just so. It was packed full of abundance, and there was enough for everyone. And on top of that, in an extra act of abundance, it says that God planted a garden in, in the east. He planted a special garden in, inside of it. He put the human beings that he had created. Uh, and, and their, their names in the beginning are just Isha and which is just a man from man, from, uh, Adam and Eve we talk about, right? He puts them in the garden and says, okay, you guys can eat, right, from any tree in the garden, but like, what can't you do? He says, there's one tree I don't want you to eat from. And when I was I was growing up, he puts that tree right in the middle of the garden. When I was growing up, I was like, come on, Lord, like build a wall around it or something. <laughs> you know, why are you putting a tree in the garden that they're not supposed to eat? Um and even on the other side, you know, the human beings, they, they go ahead and do it. And you're like, you know, really you could have not, <laughs> like you could you couldn't resist the one thing, you had everything else. Uh, the story goes like this. The garden's planted, the man and the woman they know, they're not supposed to eat from the tree. And, and this is what happens it says, The serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord had made. Uh, this uh, Something is off in the garden, this force of evil. And he, he says to the woman, Did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? Uh, he's trickier. The serpent's a really good salesman because uh, he's hitting her with a lie that's easy to correct, but it plants an idea. He says, did God really say, I'm like, what kind of God says? You can't eat from any of my trees. And he says, no, 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 no. He didn't say that. He said, you can eat from all the trees except for, for just uh, this one. You must not eat from this tree in the middle. Uh, you must not touch it or you will die. And the serpent says, you're not going to die. God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be open and you'll be like God, knowing good and evil. So here's Eve. She's been given everything. And not just to pick on Eve, this is um, I think, if we're honest, something we discover uh, in all of our lives. Uh, she's been given everything. She's in the perfect garden, made by God, who knows her because he made her. Everything's perfect. She's there with her, with her husband. Everything has a place. She can eat from any tree in the garden there's just one more thing I'd like to have. And it says this, this is in verse 6. She understands what's going on. It says, when the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food, pleasing to the eye, and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and she ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it. So here's Adam and Eve. They know what they're supposed to do. They've been told, they had an opportunity to say back uh, to the serpent what they knew they weren't supposed to do, but they just couldn't help themselves. And, and we like to blame Eve or blame Adam. And, and, you know, the story goes, well, thanks for messing it up, guys. <laughs> but if we're honest, there's something really uh, true and, and human about that. Because it seems like no matter what we have, right, it's, it's never... Enough. The, the next story, um, and, and this is what's amazing to me. Um, this same story, uh, it repeats over and over and over again in the Old Testament. Uh, it, it's almost the exact same story. The, the second story uh, is, is about a man who fights in God's army and helps uh, take over this, this city. So, uh, the story goes like this. God has promised uh, his people, this whole nation, and they cross over into this land that God has promised them. And God's one rule is, you know, as you're conquering this land, don't take anything. <coughs> don't plunder the land that you're conquering. And in the time, you're going to get all this stuff eventually. Uh, but there's a man in, Agen, in the very first battle that happens in the promised land. Uh, he steals <laughs> some of the plunder and he hides it in his tent. And, and later, uh, they, they find out. And we'll look at that passage in just a minute. In the last uh, story is the story of, of David, a man who had everything but wanted one more thing. So let's just take a look. So you have Eve. Um, she saw the fruit of the tree. was good and pleasing to the eye. She took it and ate it. And it was amazing to me. Look at how similar these stories are. Achan replies, uh, when I saw in the plunder a beautiful robe from Babylonia and some other stuff, I coveted them took them. They're hidden in the ground inside my tent with the silver underneath. And, and the story of, of David, the king of Israel, who has everything. As he, uh, one evening he got up from his bed and from the roof of his palace he saw a woman bathing. And the woman was very beautiful. David sent someone to find out about her. The man said she is Bathsheba, the daughter of Elam, the wife of Uriah the Hittite. Then David sent messengers to get her. She came to him and he slept with her. Uh, So here's three stories uh, in your Old Testament and the exact same thing happens in every story. Eve is in the garden and what does she do? She sees the beautiful fruit. She sees that it's pleasing to the eye, that it's beautiful and she takes it. Uh, The same story happens again. Achan, when he saw a beautiful robe, he couldn't help himself. No matter what he had, it just wasn't quite enough and so what did he do? took it. And David, David had everything in the entire kingdom. He saw something beautiful and he didn't see her as a person that had value on her own. Instead, he took her. The same story over and over again. If you read your Old Testament, uh, you'll find this pattern repeated. And it looks like this. God gives abundantly. God pours out blessing on somebody, on his people. And we're going to talk about this more next week, that if you If you read the Bible, the primary way that God interacts with the world is by blessing people abundantly. And so God chooses somebody, sometimes a really good person, right? David in the Bible is talked about as a man after God's own heart, right? This is like somebody that God really likes, that's really close to God, and God gives this person or these people just an abundance of everything, a whole garden. But what happens is immediately after they get there, they can't help themselves. They do this very human thing that we all do. They saw something else. They saw that it was beautiful, that it was good. Sometimes uh, the word is good. They saw something and that it was good. And every time that cycle ends with them taking it, and the result is death over and over again. Uh, God gives. And it's never enough. Uh, If you read the Old Testament again, you'll find the story over and over again. No matter how much God gives someone, no matter how much God gives us, uh, it's never enough. And the human beings, they, they throw it all away for just one more thing that'll make you happy. Eve and Achan and David, but throughout the Old Testament, over and over again, no matter how much somebody seems to have, no matter how close to God they seem to be, The same thing happens. God gives, but they see it's good, so they take it. Because God probably doesn't really know what's best for me, right? Do you think that. um, I I think it's interesting, this happens so much. I don't think it's because uh, the writers of the Bible are trying to fill pages, right? That they can't think of more interesting and different stories. I think this repeats so often in Scripture because it happens so often in human life. I think we can all think of the story of someone who seemed to have everything, but who ruined it all to get one more of something. There's something fundamentally human about this trap, this cycle, that no matter how much we have, we always just want one more thing, and we're willing to wreck everything. No matter how much God gives, and how hard God tries to bless His world throughout the Old Testament, its people wind up ruining everything by grabbing one more thing. This cycle repeats. And finally, in, in the New Testament, God blesses and gives a gift bigger than any gift He's ever given. He gives Himself Because every other time we grabbed one more thing and ruined it for everyone, finally God gives himself. He sends his own flesh and blood, his son in flesh, as a generous gift. And if you read the story of Jesus in the Gospels, Jesus lives and eats and drinks and breathes on earth alongside human beings just like you and me. And there's a moment right before Jesus does any miracles or teaches anything where he goes into the desert And he encounters uh, the evil one, the serpent, in the desert. And he gets a chance to take everything for himself, but he refuses. Finally, Jesus, because he's both fully God and fully human, is able to do something that no other human has ever done before. He rejects one more good thing that he had and trusts God instead. He does what we never seem to be able to do, and he lives his life out of it. He lives his life out of God's abundance. Everywhere Jesus goes, people are blessed by his presence in real, practical ways. He heals, he feeds, and he sets free. And he does this all the way uh, to the cross, where he gives his life to cover over that sin That thing that we just can't stop ourselves from doing, that same thing that Eve did, and Achaim did, and David did, and all of us have probably done at one time or another. And on the cross, he gives his life to cover over, to defeat, to put an end to that pattern, to break the cycle. And three days later, he rose again to eternal life. And and that's who offers us a new way. Uh, He offers us an opportunity to finally... uh, Receive God's blessing and live out of it. Um, Jesus puts it this way. This is one of the ways He puts it in Matthew. Yes, we always think one more thing. In uh, Matthew 16, 24 through twenty-five, He says, "If you want to be my disciple, if you want to be like me, if you want to follow me, you must deny. They must deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow me." And then He says this: He says, "Whoever wants to save their life will lose it." But whoever loses their life for me will find it. He takes that same cycle, right? That uh, that desire, that seeing, that desire, and that taking. And he says, instead, if you desire to be my disciple, don't take. Deny yourself and follow me and you'll find Life. Uh, We can live our whole lives thinking if I just get one more thing, then I can be generous to my neighbor. We can live our whole lives thinking if I just make a little bit more money than I could give to that person who needs my help. If I just had one more thing paid off than I could give to the poor. If I just had a little bit more time, I could care for that person. If I just had one more thing, then I could follow. Jesus. I could trust God if I just had one more thing. We always think that one more good thing is going to be enough, but it never is. It wasn't enough for Eve or David or Achan. Because the things we have are never enough for us. We can live our whole lives, and I don't care how much you make, you'll never have enough to share. You'll never have enough time in your life to serve somebody. You'll never have enough help to help somebody out in need. So Jesus says, instead, trust me to hold on to your life. Let me hold on to you. Give your life to me. Deny that thing that you think is going to make it all better, and instead follow. And when you lay those things down, you'll find true abundance from God. If you want to find life, give your life to him. Uh, And it won't look like, a good friend of mine says all the time, it won't look like Lamborghinis on the moon, right? That's not the kind of abundance that Jesus is talking about. And in your life, um, that kind of abundance, it may not look like safety all the time. It may not even always look like security or health or even wealth in this life. You may even miss out on possessions and vacations and experiences and time that you think you really want. You know, most of Jesus' disciples didn't find that kind of abundance following him. But what they did find was an abundance that is bigger than what is in your bank account, that stretches past your death and into resurrection, into God's renewed and abundant creation. We think if we can get one more thing, we'll make it. But Jesus believed it was the opposite that if we give our lives up, we'll find them. So how can we respond? Uh, and, and the response is, is the same for all of us, is we can give or recommit our lives to Christ. If you have said, yes, Lord, I believe in you, and I trust you to hold on to my life, great. And if you haven't, uh, do it. <laughs> After the service, uh, uh, Steve Johnson won't people would love to pray with you about that Um, but I think God is always calling us to daily again give ourselves away to deny ourselves to take up that cross and follow him I don't know what it is in your life that uh, is keeping you going what it is that you're looking for next what one more thing there is that you think is going to make it all better but whatever it is Ask God what he's calling you to give and stuff. I don't know what it is that God is calling you to give of yourself. And all of us have different things that we've been given, different ways to share those gifts with others. I don't know if it's if it's your money or if it's your worries. I don't know if it's your dreams and hopes that one day you'll get that thing or be that person or do that thing, or maybe it's your time. I don't know if it's uh, somebody that you need to forgive today. God is calling you to give them grace that you don't think you have but God is calling us to give to deny and participate in his abundance because we'll never find life chasing after one more thing we'll never find real life grabbing because that treadmill it it never stops and no matter how fast we get going we never get anywhere because there's always one more thing And so Jesus invites us to consider that maybe the God that made us really does know us. That maybe the God that made us really does love us. That maybe we really can find our lives when we stop squeezing so hard on them and instead let them go. That maybe if we step off that treadmill and trust God in all areas of our life, we'll find that he actually does care about us. We'll find that when we lose our life and deny ourselves and follow him, we might discover more life than we know what to do with. Would you pray with me? (laughs) Lord God, we are all uh, Eve and Achan and David. It doesn't seem to matter uh, what we have. It's a lot or a little that always feels like not enough. And so we pray, Lord, that instead of falling into that same cycle of seeing and taking and seeing and taking, we follow after you. We embrace uh, the gift of your sacrifice. We look to you, Lord, and say, Lord, set us free from that sin that holds us captive. Fill us up with your spirit and show us a new way. We thank you, God, for the generous, abundant blessing you give to all of us. Help us to see it. Help us to trust it and to trust you that you really have given us enough. And help us to discover that by opening up and sharing with somebody who needs it so that we might participate thanks for listening to the sermon podcast from Bethel Covenant Church we're an evangelical covenant church outside Ellsworth, Wisconsin and you can find out more about us at BethelCov.org